And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined, as I always am, by Ari Wasserman out there in Dallas, Texas. Ari, it is gorgeous here in Columbus, Ohio. How are things out in Dallas? It's actually amazing here, too. Love that. And I spent a few days in Phoenix over the weekend, and it was, believe it or not, amazing there as well. Oh, Phoenix is um, nice. Yeah, it's nice in February and early March. It's... Uh, so I, I, my parents live about 45 minutes uh, away from Sky Harbor International Airport, and I had a flight that left on Tuesday morning at 7.10 a.m., which was a very stupid calculation on my part, which means that you have to, I mean, it was about a half hour commute from my parents' house to the airport, and the flight left at 7, so I was like up at 4.15, you know, just getting ready and stuff, and the night before, the reason why I bring this up is because the night before, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a crappy Marriott down by the airport, and I'll just, you know, pay the 80 bucks and stay closer to the airport so I can sleep another hour. And I was looking, and Fairfield Inns and Courtyards and all the hotels that you and I have made a living staying off of were like 250 And I'm like, it's that nice in Phoenix right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's 250 a night Fairfield nice? Yeah, yeah, two fifty a night, Fairfield nights. That Camelback Inn that we've stayed in together a few times, thirteen hundred a night. 
Oh yeah, that's the uh, that's the Fiesta Bowl hotel that I yeah. personally would never stay in otherwise. But for some reason, they let us schlubs with polo shirts or uh, plaid shirts stay there for a week uh, in the lead up to the uh, Fiesta Bowl, which I'm always very appreciative of. It's very nice. Yeah, and it's also high season in December too because everyone's trying to get the Phoenix when it's snowing, and it's like. That's why the Rose Bowl and Fiesta Bowl are so great as beat writers of the Ohio State football program because you get a nice week-long reprieve from the gray and cold. So, yeah, you know, here I am. Just uh, brought some attention to some of our reviews on the show, and somebody said I was learning impaired. You might not like me. You might not like my takes. You might think I'm an idiot. But, like, have I illustrated an inability to learn? Well... In what sense? <laughs> no, yeah, I no. guess I don't know what, if there is a sense. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm doing my best to to make it through the day. I guess you know. Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, if you're out there like betting Mac unders, then maybe. But otherwise, no. I that think you're is okay. that you got me. <laughs> Walter White, hands up. You got me. <laughs> you got me. But otherwise, no, no. I don't know. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Uh, also, shout out to the person who gave us a one star review. I want to read it. I want to read it. Uh, yeah, read it. It's from. Uh, that one was titled Clown Car. This one is uh, it's Bet from FC Wolf. Ohio State finishes top five in recruiting. If it's lower, I'll change this rating. And then he just gave us a one-star review. That's not how bets work. We need the result of the bet first. We've already lost. We are already being we negative. already lost. We're already been, we're, we're negative. We're being negatively impacted before the bet has even resolved itself. That's a fine bet. I'll take yeah, that. Yeah, no, I don't know. Like I, I, think, I also here's one thing agree. I want to say, Bill. I also agree that Ohio State's going to finish with the top five recruiting class. So I yeah, don't really it was know a what we're theory. Betting. Are we not allowed to have theories during the off season on a podcast? Here's what I'll say to people: eighty five percent, or maybe even ninety percent of our jobs is writing. So if you leave negative reviews, it could be a hundred percent. So if you like the show. Go ahead and make sure that we're getting good ratings because we have to convince our company that this is worth doing. Yeah, I mean, we're doing fine. Listen, if you don't like the podcast, you'll leave a one-star review. That's fine. I, whatever. I don't, yeah. I don't lose sleep over it. <laughs> yeah. But we would like, do what you got to do. We yeah. would like uh, the, the overwhelming majority of our reviews are five-star reviews, which we greatly appreciate. Um, and I think this was our in, in eloquent way of asking uh, for more five-star reviews because we haven't done that in a while. So if you're... Uh, listening to the podcast on Apple, and you're willing and able to do so, if you leave a, leave us a five star review, we would greatly appreciate that, and you will be rewarded in the afterlife. And I will try to learn from my mistakes. It's all about growth. We're this yeah. is a, there's a growth mindset on this podcast. You can't change someone's personality, though. I've I've learned that. That's true. People, you Britt, know, my my fiance has learned that over the years. Can't change. People don't change. Yeah. Yeah. He said, accept them for who they are. Yeah, and we are. And if a not, then go listen to Bucknuts. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> we're a couple of learning impaired, uh, heavy breathing bozos, donkeys. <laughs> who think yeah. Ohio State's going to have the number six recruiting class in the country? Um, but not really. Uh, but maybe. But maybe. Probably not though. I would probably bet, not. I would bet that they do not. If I were a betting man, which I'm not, I bet Andy Staples a thousand dollars on something on a podcast. You want to do it too? A thousand dollars? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Because I'm not going to pay it if I lose anyway. Yeah, I bet him a thousand dollars that USC would make the playoff in the next three years. In the next three years, that's not crazy. I know. I I, th- yeah. I thought that was a. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Yeah, that seems like a pretty sound bet. I am. Uh, I don't know if I'm super bullish on the long on like USC becoming like USC again. 
But if USC can just become what Oklahoma was, then that's Yeah. Probably, no, this isn't a bet that USC <laughs> is going to be Pete Carroll Trojans. It's a bet that the Pac-12 sucks and they're going to build a good enough team yeah. to only lose once one yeah, year. Yeah, I think that's that seems like a safe bet. Congratulations on your I would never watch. bet $1,000 that USC is going to win a national title. <laughs> I would not do that either. Would you bet... Would you bet $1,000 that Ohio State's going to win a national title in the next three years? No. What number would you be comfortable betting? Ten bucks. Ten bones on Ohio State winning a national title. Oh, God, here comes more one-star reviews. I don't know. I I mean, certainly far more likely than 99.9% of the rest of the sport. But, like, I do wonder about other teams that they're going to have to face and whether or not Ohio State has illustrated during the Ryan Day era that they can get it done. Yeah. And that might be that might be overly negative for a team that's made the playoff twice and won a playoff game, but it in like the one playoff loss they lost to Clemson the year Ryan Day's debuted was kind of a crappy loss. So I, I don't know. Um, I think it's crazy that Ohio State has not won a national title for going on almost ten years now, with the way that they've been recruiting and the way that they've built. They have been, in my opinion, now that Georgia's won a national title, the most underachieving program in America in that realm. Yeah, I don't know For if I what, agree with that. Because it's yeah, not I mean, teams it's not built like, the way that they've been built, achieving less. I don't know that there is another team that's achieved less with what they've had. I suppose that's true. I I, I guess I see where you're coming from, but I also I'm not saying they're the most underachieving America uh, team in America. Like they're more underachieving than ASU or something. I'm saying for the teams that are built to win a national championship, Ohio State has not gotten over the hump as much as they should based on the way that their roster is constructed. I think it, it – I guess my general take on that is that it is – it has been f- farther from, like, getting there than I think they should be. Like, winning a national championship is really hard. Ohio State's never been a program, at least, you know, in the last 60 years that's won multiple national titles in the same decade. And I get that, like, ceilings and expectations can change and Ohio State's did whenever Meyer got here. Um but they haven't like they've only, the fact that they've really only been like on the doorstep kind of one other time since 2014 is is weird to me. Think about us in Dallas the night that Ohio State won the national championship and beat Oregon. I don't remember what we did the night of. I'm sure we were up really late. But if I would have said in the car, Landis you and I are going to have a podcast together at another publication in 2022. And at that point, Ohio State will have only played for the national championship only one other time and missed the playoff more than twice. What would you have said? I would be missing the, maybe less surprised by missing the playoff because that can get a little finicky, but um, having only other, having only played for one other national title. And not one another one. And not yeah. one another one. I would be, I would, I would. If we were betting back then, I would have bet against that. Yeah. So, like, could Ohio State win the national championship literally next year? Sure. But I don't know that I would bet on that. I don't know if their defense is good enough. And I learned last year that I'm not going to go into an offseason and pretend like everything's going to be fine because they've recruited well. Because everything hasn't been fine because they've recruited well. So, I don't know, maybe I'm trying not to be learning impaired, but like I'm trying to figure out like what is it that's going to be different about this team and the te- that from the ones that are previous to it and like oh, Ryan Day's had more talent in the past on his teams, especially on defense and they haven't gotten it done. And now Georgia and Alabama are stronger 
potentially. Maybe not Alabama. The team that beat Ohio State two years ago was like the best team of all time and had six first-round draft picks. But like the way A&M is built, the way that Georgia's built, like the, the top heaviness at the top, the competition once you get to the playoff is far more intense than it was in 14. I think that's well, like the, yeah. the best of the best teams now are much better than the best of the best teams were. Like maybe 2014, Ohio State would have won national championships like last year. Like I'm not. Don't get me wrong. Maybe they. I think that the 14 team was was the best team in college football last year, if they were to play in that year. But it's just harder to win multiple games on that stage now, mm-hmm. in my opinion. If you get matched up with the wrong two teams, like like the 2019 Ohio State team that had to play Clemson in the first round, like that one two punch is so hard. It's like if you got to play Cincinnati or, or you know, funny enough, Michigan in the first round, most years that's going to be a good thing for you. But now, it's just a harder path. So, especially if Michigan's going to have their act together, that means Ohio State's got to beat Michigan, a, a, an improved Michigan team that most recently beat the crap out of them, win the, the Big Ten championship and then two playoff games all in a row. And it's just like, when has the, have they gone on a run like that in the last eight years? Yeah, it hasn't hasn't really. I mean, it hasn't happened because, and I, I I know, and I'll be the first person to tell you that winning a national championship is really really hard, which is part of the reason why I'd have a hard time betting that they would in three years, because it's like I don't think they're going to win the national championship next year. I, yeah, I wouldn't pick them to. It's not to say that they're incapable of doing it, but they're like, certainly one of the four teams that could. Yeah, there's just too many questions. It's like, oh yeah, they're going to win a title yeah. next year. <laughs> Although if their offense. Uh, will probably be awesome again, and that uh, can get you pretty far. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about spring practice, which starts next? What's today's Wednesday? Starts next week. It's, it starts next Tuesday. Are you uh, on Wednesday? You pump for that six a.m. stretching viewing period, or what? Yeah, listen. listen I like any time we get to go and watch practice because I actually find it informative. I am curious how much our availability to watch practice might change because of like the new defensive stuff and like college football coaches are paranoid and think they're guarding Fort Knox and don't want us to see what Jim Knowles defense looks like, even though we have, you know, 15 years of games on television to tell us what Jim Knowles defense looks like. Um, so we haven't gotten the availability schedule just yet, but I'm, I'm wondering. Can if you tell what defense Ohio state's going to be running this year by watching them stretch at 6am? No, but in the spring we get to watch more than that typically. No, sure, absolutely. I hope I hope for your sake that you do. In the spring we usually get uh I think there's been times where we get seen like full practices. Um 
But even if we don't get to watch full Usually practice, when the Big Ten network is there, you get Well, that's in right? camp. That's in camp, yeah. But in oh, spring. Oh, that's camp, yeah. In spring, they used to have the Student Appreciation Day, which they haven't done in a couple of years. Um, but even without that, we still usually get to go. Like in fall camp, we get to go watch stretching in like the first four periods typically. And it's like a total of like 30 minutes. And in the spring, we usually get like an hour um, at least. So, and and more opportunities to, to watch practice too. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful that we do, but I guess I won't be surprised if, if it's less because, because they want Jim Knowles to be operating behind a curtain for some reason. Um, but I'll be optimistic. I'll be optimistic. And either way, we get to talk to people, get to learn more about kind of where each position group is. And that's kind of how I wanted to preview spring ball on this here episode, Ari, is to go position by position. Um, just like a thought we have about the position or a guy we're most interested to see, like anything that's kind of on our mind. Um with, with each position on the roster, uh, if that's okay with you. Let's do it, bud. Do you want to start on the offense or the defense? Uh, why don't we start with the side of the ball that's super complicated? Let's just go with the offense. Okay, yeah, yeah. So many, so many questions. <laughs> How could they possibly be good and score points? I it doesn't have to be a question. Can it be a thought? It could be a thought. It could be a question. Okay. It could be whatever. Could be concern. A, could be a haiku. Yeah, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, it could be something off topic like pizza yeah it could be could be something something really cool something that, that i never even heard <laughs> it about could, before it could be a haiku okay <laughs> it's like something that a high school teacher would say yeah could be a haiku yeah okay let's start with quarterback right is that that's a good right. start that's a good start all right i'll start with a thought okay. are you ready yeah i know quinn ewers is gone but is there a better quarterback room in america from top to bottom uh i'm trying to think um like, if you would have told me last year before the games were played and we got to watch DJ Uyangalele play and you would say, like, hey, he and Cade Klubnick are going to be in the same quarterback room, yeah, I might think, like, oh, that's pretty good. But then I watched last year, so no. Um, and now we have to start referring to C.J. Stroud as Heisman finalist C.J. Stroud. That's right. So all I'm saying is, is they've got three – top 50 players at quarterback on the same roster. And in 2022, that's not supposed to be the case. And I don't know how many years, maybe in like 2030, they'll still finagle a way to do this. Um, and maybe it's just because Devin Brown is an interesting cat who didn't care about that sort of thing, which was Ohio State's benefit. But when we were talking about Quinn Ewers, this wasn't, they were supposed to lose Quinn Ewers and then not sign a really good quarterback this year. So the fact that they've got three potential players that could start at Ohio State at one point in the other, in the same room. That's the type of depth that I would rather have that depth than C.J. Stroud and two quarterbacks that are good enough to go in and spot duty but aren't the future of the program. Like This is my ideal setup for a quarterback room. Yeah, you have a, you have a star as your starter and then two guys, either of whom you would feel comfortable about being the quarterback of the future. And like that, yeah, that and also yeah. probably are good enough to start as freshmen if, if need be. And also, it's like Kyle McCord is in year two of the program, so he's probably going to be the backup, right? I yeah. know that there's going to be an interesting, maybe that's the question, right? Interesting battle for backup quarterback spot, and can Devin Brown jump over McCord? I don't anticipate that that would happen, but you've got a second-year guy who was a five-star prospect and has a, a rocket arm as the backup, and then you have the future waiting in the wings. I think that that's like ideally set up. And I, do I think that all three of them are going to be on the team in two years? No, I mean, C.J. Stroud's probably going to leave after next year. But mm-hmm. I, but will Devin Brown and um, 
Kyle McCord be on the roster together in 2024? No, probably not. But if you can go into a situation where you get them in spring ball and in the fall camp and you get to have them in your program for that long, then Ohio State can make an educated decision on who they want to lead the program in the future, which is my ideal way of, of navigating this position in such a complicated time. Yeah, I think at the very least you're going to get multiple years of developing Kyle McCord and you're going to get multiple years of developing Devin Brown. Now, what does that look like in 2024? I don't know. <clears throat> probably probably not that all those guys are still there, but um, I think that's about – I think when you recruit the position the way the Ryan Day recruits the position, that's about the best you can hope for. Um, so, like, there's no – I have there's no, like, questions about this room that, like, concern me at all. I, I'm wondering a little bit about McCord because I do feel like – you know, we're, we're not that far removed from, like, having conversations about, like, should Kyle McCord replace C.J. Stroud as Ohio State starting quarterback? Mm-hmm. And clearly we were all um, jumping the gun a little bit there. But Kyle McCord did get a shot to start against Akron. And, you know, he was fine. Like, he didn't play bad. But there was an opportunity there for him to really flash that I'm not, I'm not sure happened. Um, and he got backup reps, too. I don't know if I don't know if there's anything that Kyle McCord did on the field where like, whew, man, like this kid's he's the real deal, he's the next one. Like I can't wait to see this guy get on the field, and, and that's fine. I don't, I don't think he needed to do that, um, but I'm wondering if there's a, a noticeable change in him starting this spring. Whether that's whatever we get to see in practice, whatever we get to see in the spring game, but like if he is like carrying himself a little differently or like takes a noticeable jump in his game because. Um, Yes, he is the number two, and I I don't think he's in much jeopardy of losing that standing, especially in the spring. But Devin Brown, I think, is is game to to give him a run for that. So um, there's a little bit of of a sense of urgency, I think, for Kyle McCord starting this spring because this is when he starts to position himself to be the true heir apparent to C.J. Stroud. Can I say something? Yeah. I don't know that I think that C.J. Stroud's first start was, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. No, no. No, I don't think so either. So, like, that's why I said it doesn't happen. I, I feel like if Kyle McCord started from week one and played the entire season, that he would have been able to play in the Fiesta Bowl, this or I mean the Rose Bowl, the same way. Now I don't know, maybe you know, product production wise, whatever. Like C.J. Stroud was awesome. But like I don't think it's crazy to think that Kyle McCord would have been capable of that. If no, he, I don't think so was, either. We got that's the thing. Like uh, I felt last year too. It's like you have to let like CJ Stroud was a freshman for all intents and purposes last year, and Kyle McCord is a little more experienced now than CJ Stroud was in his second year. But like you got to let these guys grow into the position. You can't just like throw them out there like, oh, these stinks. Put somebody new in. Like that's not how this works. So yeah, yeah no, I agree. I agree totally. It's, Kyle McCord, I think, has a very high ceiling. And had he been the starter and given the chance to grow in the offense over the course of the season, we could very well be saying the same things about him right now that we're saying. Kyle McCord being on this roster right now is what five-star prospects usually don't do, right? Like, he is going to be in his third year. Like, he right now accepts that he will be in his third year in Ohio State's program before he has a legitimate chance to start, right? And he hasn't left as a result of that revelation. Right. So, like, that, to me, I think is going to become increasingly more rare at the position as transfers continue to become more mainstream. And for that, I think Ohio State should be grateful. Because, like, he could go start somewhere else right now, I think. Yeah, and and it puts you – it just puts you in a much better position, you know, down the line than than having to bring in somebody brand new, bring in a transfer, like, like expedite that process. Like, you have a – 
you know, it's hard. It's hard to keep a quarterback in your program for multiple years where they're not playing and then name him the starter. But Ohio State's in position to do that. But how many five-star prospects in the – I bet you if we went and looked this up, it'd be probably 10%. How many five-star prospects signed at quarterback position signed uh, with a school and were still in the program in the third year trying to win the I job? I should look that up, actually. That's a good question. Yeah. That's a really good question. And it wouldn't be that hard because there's only like four a year. Yeah, I'm actually probably going to look that up after we're done recording this podcast. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Will you let me know the answer? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Research? That's um, I love research. Okay. Running back. And then Devin Brown, too, if he has the same temperament. Yeah, and I think... What if he redshirts this year, and he will. Um, C.J. Stroud leaves after this year. McCord gets, you know, one or two years, and then Devin Brown does the same thing. They should be fine. It's, it's not going to work out that way because it never does. And projecting the quarterback position out two or three years in this game, we've learned over the 10 years we've been doing podcasts that that's probably a, not the greatest thing to do. It's entertaining. It's not accurate. Yeah. So, But I think right now, listen, this is the simplest position group that we're going to discuss today, and we're 10 minutes into it. But right. like, I do think that this is ideal, and there's nobody on the team that's taking up a roster spot at the quarterback position that isn't good. Yeah, they only have three. Um I'm anti-wasted scholarship on fourth body. I don't. I, I find it difficult to envision a scenario where they end up adding a fourth before the fall. Ryan Day might say that they want to, but I just don't. Given their scholarship situation, I don't. I don't think that's feasible. Um, running back. I'll give mine first. Um, this is more more of a thought too, I guess, than than a direct question on anything. Um, I wonder. I wonder if they're able to get get through spring and like get into the summer as you're ramping up to 2022 and like come out of it where in a position where Mayan Williams feels like like there's enough in this offense for him to stick around basically um, because I think I think he's shown some flashes that suggest that he could be a number one back someplace else like clearly it's not going to be here because Trevion Henderson's going to be the number one back. But you know, there's there's a tandem role for Mayan Williams that that I think could be meaningful and and important. Um, I'm just wondering a little bit if he might want more than that, or if if he can get a vibe this spring that that makes him confident that that he'll get maybe the workload that he desires in 2022, even if he's not the number one guy. But what's a reasonable? So I did this mailbag the other day. And it was basically, if you were a five-star prospect in, at every position, what school would you pick? And I picked Wisconsin for running back, which may have been wrong. And I got a bunch of comments of something that I didn't think about, and I want to know your take on it. But they say, I would not pick Wisconsin for the exact reason that you detailed, which was you're going to a place that is going to rely on the running game first and foremost, no matter what. And running backs are more conscious than ever now about mileage put on their bodies because it's a very brutal position. You get hit the most, and it's wear and tear, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when you think about Mayon Williams, who, like you said, probably is good enough to start at at least other Big Ten schools, like, what is it the desired workload that you would want from that running back in his mind? That you, Like, what's the answer to that? Eight carries a game? Because that is reasonable, but I don't know if that's enough, but... Most running backs that start get, what, 17 to 20 a game in a run-heavy offense? And then yeah. Trey's going to get the most most of the touches, as he should. So, like, what what is the answer to that question? I, I don't know. I, I, and I guess it's it's dependent on the individual. I'm, I'm going to look up. Trayvon Henderson had 184 carries last year. Um, 
he only had one, two games where he had more than 20 carries. And I don't think you want to give him much more than 20 carries a game. Like he's he's very good. Like he's an electric player with the ball in his hand. But I think I think if I'm him, I'm not sure I want 20 carries a game. Like I think it is beneficial to both these guys to get something like I don't know. You want to give Trey like 18 and give Mayan like 10 or 12. I think that's a good balance for both those guys. It's just a matter of like does Mayan Williams kind of a spring? Like no man, I want to be the guy who gets 18. Yeah, and that's that's him completely. So. Um, you know, Mayan Williams was not the starting quarter or running back last year, but he had a lot of moments, and I think that there's something to that. He didn't he start? Uh, I mean, didn't Trey miss a game because of injury? No, but I think Mayan started against Minnesota, I believe. He did, yeah. yeah. He took it like 75 yards of the house on the first drive, didn't he? Yeah, he started. I think he started early. He was a starter early, and then yeah, yeah, in the starter, yeah. And then Mayan missed. And Henderson got banged up, so so did so did Mayan. Mayan missed three yeah. games, I think. So I mean, I guess the the biggest question that I would have is like, how good is Evan Pryor, and are we going to see him at all this year? Yeah, I thought I thought um, in like a very small sample size last year, he showed some pretty good burst. Um, maybe he might be like a little too similar of a runner to Henderson, maybe for him to be like the the correct tandem partner with him like I, I that's the thing i like about henderson and maya williams like they seem to complement each other very well with their the different kind of running styles but um yeah i'm curious about evan Pryor too and whether or not like i don't know like they're so good at receiver that it's probably not going to happen but i think evan Pryor can can give you some stuff out in the pass game or like the jet sweep game and stuff like that like stuff stuff on the perimeter that i felt like they were lacking quite a bit last year or just didn't do enough last year um, I think he can help you out there too, but I don't know. He could be blocked. Yeah. Um, they only have four four running backs in the spring, which is a pretty low number. Trevion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Evan Pryor, and Marcus Crowley. Master Teague is off to the NFL. Dallin Hayden does not get here until June. Um, Master Teague strikes me as somebody who's going to have a pretty good NFL career out of nowhere, by the way. Master Teague is going to be like a – he's going to get a second contract and he's going to be like an eight-year special team starter for the Patriots. He's also going to be that guy that you pick up on waivers in week nine when you need to fill a running back spot because yeah. he might get three carries and a few in the red zone. Yeah. No, I think – I think – I don't like – He's, he's going to He's going to have a career, I think. He's not going to be a star, but I think he's going to have some longevity. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's big and he's fast. Like, he's big as shit yeah. and he's fast. Yeah. Um, I saw him in the grocery store once, and he reached up to get, like, macaroni and cheese, and, like, his bicep almost smacked me in the face, and I was 10 <laughs> yards away. <laughs> uh, Good on you for the macaroni and cheese, master. Yeah. And he's a nice guy. I think he's a guy people would like super to have, nice guy. have in, their, yeah. in their franchise. Um, receive- he's, like, the most Terry McLaurin that there is, right? Yeah, very similar personalities to those two guys. Uh, receiver. There's a few different ways you can go. Yeah, here's here's the statement that I'll make. If you pick, if you did a post that every Ohio State website, I'm assuming, is going to do between now and next week, which is five players that are going to break out or five breakout candidates for Ohio State's football team this year, would three of them be in the receiver room? <laughs> are they all receivers? <laughs> <laughs> so like that, I mean, I don't know. Jackson Smith and the Jigba, I've got the highest hopes for Jackson Smith and the Jigba that I've had for any Ohio State player even more than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave going into a single season. Like, I think he has a chance to have the greatest individual season Ohio State receivers ever had. 
yeah. I mean, yeah, he he almost did that last year. <laughs> he was the third he was the third guy for much of the year. And listen, dude, we were having conversations last year about how like we did the Mount Rushmore thing last week. It's like you could have put Chris Olave on your Mount Rushmore of Ohio State players. And like recency bias the other way is the reason why we didn't. Yeah. But like in, if we did that exercise again in ten years, you might be like, Yeah, Chris Olave, no no shit. Like that's that's a guy. And I still think that like Jackson Smith and the Jigba might be better than both him and Garrett Wilson, which is embarrassing to admit out loud because Garrett Wilson, I think, is going to be like a Pro Bowler next year. Yeah, I am. I'm not sure if this is a thing that we're going to get a great feel for in the spring because I suppose like why would you show it? But um, I wrote about this like kind of immediately after the season. I did like a Jackson Smith and Jigba specific like film study kind of thing right after the Rose Bowl because he was so good in that game. And there's just so much you can do with him. Um, obviously, he's a menace in the slot. Um, I, he can play on the outside. I wouldn't play him there exclusively, but he can definitely play out there. I think he's got the the uh, ability to win in contested situations to play out there. They put him in the backfield. Like you can do so much with him. You can you can hand the ball off to him, give him jet sweeps, like whatever screen game. He can do everything. Um, it's just a matter of how much I guess you want to put on his plate, but the possibilities are kind of endless there for him, and and I think that makes him different than really anybody we've seen play the position at Ohio State, at least in the time that I've been covering the team. Um, he's not. You can tell me if I'm wrong on this. Like I, I don't I don't think they're the same kind of player because like Ted Ginn Jr. is like the fastest human being on the planet, but in terms of all the different things you can do with them from an offensive standpoint, I, I kind of I find them a little bit similar. Do you agree or disagree with that? I think, yeah, no, I like you mean like in terms of versatility. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't think they're anything alike. They're not the same. They're not the same kind of player. Yeah, yeah. I think you can. They're like similar kind of chess pieces, if you will. Yeah, you can move them around. Who do you think was the best pure receiver that you've covered in Ohio State? Um, probably Olave. Like, route running, hands, the whole combination. Just, yeah, just like polish. I think it's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That's my answer right now. <laughs> Next year. Yeah, yeah, right now. Yeah. I'm not saying that Jackson Smith, the Jigba, is better than him right now. But I think he will be, like, next year. <laughs> I think that Garrett Wilson would be my answer. When we're, when we're sitting here next year doing this podcast as uh, – tweets are rolling through my timeline of of the 50,000 people around an Ohio State player at the NFL Combine. Like, it's going to be Jacqueline Smith and Jigba next year. Yeah. I get nervous because, like, I don't want to be just like the Ohio State podcast hype train. But, bro, he's special. Like, there's, I mean, it's unbelievable how good he is. Yeah. And it's not, it's not... Maybe. What's the weakness in his game? Like, I can't even come up with, like... Um, probably, like, ball security after the catch, maybe. Just, like, tighten that up Because he had bit. a fumble in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, which is, like, the same the same thing, I think, with Chris Olave. It's, like, what... Jackson Smith and Jigba, is, I think, is better after the catch than Chris Olave. Um, to be determined if he's better than Garrett Wilson, but I think he probably is. Um but there's always you can always tighten it up a little bit in those areas. Just like you can't you can't catch a forty yard dart over the middle, outrun the entire defense, and then get the ball knocked out of your hands as you're walking in the end zone. Like, and that's like a hyper specific thing. But 
winger that good, that's kind of how you have to Also, do. like, if that is the thing that you need to fix the most, then you're in a good position. Yeah. Because I think that's, like, the most fixable thing. Yeah. Like, being a better blocker is a hard thing to fix, or running better routes is a hard thing to fix, or having great hands in, in traffic. You know, like, there is a certain way that he runs routes. And there's a certain way that Garrett Wilson ran routes. And then, to a certain extent, when was used when he was used, Michael Thomas did. That is just different. Yeah, and you get a sense for it. And I don't even know. Like I'm not Brian Hartline. I don't know that I can even explain it. But it's. I think the word I would use is fluid. Uh-huh. Like every single movement in that kid's body is with intention when he's running around. There's no yeah. No, ever, wasted, no, yeah, there's, uh, no there, wasted. Movement. No wasted energy, and it's just precise. And the way that he catch. Here in the NFL, too, when you have to get both feet down, the athleticism required to make catches is just so much higher than it is at, at, at Ohio State or at the college level. And, like, off the charts body control. And it's not just because he had that crazy catch in his first game ever in the back of the end zone. I don't even remember who they're playing. But in general, Nebraska. like, if you go watch the way that an NFL receiver makes a play in big moments... It's just it's just next level. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's next level. Yeah, body body control near the sideline, ball tracking. Like he does he does it all. Like whatever. There's I could probably sit down here for like an hour and try to figure out like where, where's the hole that I can poke in, in Jackson Smith and Jigba's game. It's like it doesn't exist. <laughs> like I don't. It's just that's it's not there. Yeah, he's he's a freak. And it just it's interesting to me those of now in like Ohio State. You what was your stat? Read it. Remember the stat? Uh, There's eight scholarship receivers on Ohio State's, or is it eight, nine or eight? It's eight. Eight scholarship players on the roster. No, sorry. There are ten scholarship receivers on the roster if you count the two guys who will be here um, in June. They're all four-star prospects or better, and the lowest-rated guy was Kojo Antwi, which is who was like number 159 in this most recent class. Yeah. Two of those guys were the number one overall receiver in their class. So, so eight, they've got a lot of guys. Them, eight of them yeah. were top 100 players. You got a lot of guys. How many targets will, like the over-under will be interesting. Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jig was going to get peppered with targets because I think he's going to stay in the slot and just be like a very reliable option for C.J. Stroud. And they had such a strong rapport last year, like it's only going to get better. Um, he'll get more attention because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson aren't out there. Um, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka and really whoever is out there is capable of, of taking advantage of that attention. It's going to go to Jackson Smith and Jigba's way. But um, yeah, if Jackson Smith, uh, I think I would, I would say Jackson catches somewhere North of like 90 balls next year. Like maybe a hundred, maybe more than a hundred, which I don't think we've seen here in a while. If ever, I have to look, yeah. at, I have to look at the record um, real quickly. Just another on, on receiver. Um, the the guy I am like Jack Smith and Jig was awesome. And there's a lot to be really excited about that room. Um, the guy I'm most interested in this spring is Julian Fleming. Yeah, it feels it feels like not to be too dramatic about it. It feels a little bit like now or never time for him, just because of the way that position's recruited. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and like he's a, he's a he, I think he's a special athlete who is who is raw as a receiver and was still growing into that and has had some unfortunate injury luck. Um, since he's been in college, and it just it hasn't come together for him yet. 
I'm not saying that, that you should rate him off already because I'm not. Um, but if he has like another setback or it just doesn't happen for him this spring, I, I, you start to wonder maybe if it's ever going to happen for him here. I've got one question that's a quick answer and one comment before we move on because I'm sad we're leaving the skill positions now. Yeah, we're not going to I've, I've got nothing else to add. Yeah. Okay. Um, one, is Cameron Babb, now that he's healthy at all, does he have any Johnny Dixon in him or is it just you miss too much time and I, I don't know. There's um, no room. It looked like the, the path here is much harder than it was for Johnny. Yeah, they needed Johnny. Right. Yeah. It, it looks and, and Johnny Cam Babb has had is it three or four ACL injuries. Like Johnny was like knee tendonitis. He was he didn't have like devastating multiple devastating knee injuries. Um, it looks like that Cam is doing like the winter workout stuff and I've not heard anything to this point that suggests he's not going to try to give it a go. Um, but I don't know. I, I have, I have a hard time seeing it and it's not, it's not, I don't mean that as any kind of slight on Cameron bad, but it just seems like you have that many knee injuries. Like I don't like what's, what's realistic there. I don't know. Okay. And one last question that I'm going to change into a comment. Do not sleep on Jaden Ballard. That kid is a stud. Yeah. That kid can fly. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's good. I think it's worth mentioning because I do. I think for as good as I think all these guys are, and I and I think there's three or four of them that are very good. Um, I think Jaden Bauer does something a little different than all of them in terms of vertical threat in the offense. Not like I don't think he's going to become like you know a, a regular target of CJ Strouds, but I think there's a way for him to carve out a role with his. Speed. I think in the future he might be a first round pick, really fast. Like I don't know. I be, he's also got elite level ball tracking. I want. I wonder if you could like have a side conversation with um, Brian Hartline. How Jaden Ballard's skill set might compare to like Jamison Williams. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, that's good. It's a good name to mention. Yeah, and also Caleb Burton was a top five star player before he got injured, and might be like Eric Wilson. Yeah, and he might not even see the field this year. So and Keon Graves, future's bright. Keon Graves is here this spring as well. And if you want to, if you're making a list of like freshmen that you're not expecting much from that could like emerge in a somewhat serious way, I think Keon Graves is pretty close to the top of that list, dude. It's it's list season, Bill. That's right. You know, I love lists. You gotta get your you gotta get your lists love listicles. going. Uh, people love a good list. That's right. Uh, you want, um, you want to also, tonight? doesn't Ohio State also very very closely involved with Carnell Tate at IMG? Yeah, it's like we're talking about how awesome their receivers are, and it's like their top two targets right now in 2023 are Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes, who I think are like the top two receivers in the class. Yeah, uh, Tate's three. Then they'll both be... Zachariah Branch is two, I think. He's going to USC. He is going to USC. And I, I saw his routes... Zion Branch's little brother. I saw some routes from an Under Armour camp he was playing, and he was embarrassing people. Yeah, he's really good. He's fun. And yeah. it's like, I think Ohio, I think had Lincoln Riley not gone to USC, Zachariah Branch would be going to Ohio State. Yeah. Um, dun, 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 Is that? I think that's the, it's not the peace sign. It's not sign. a peace sign. It's, it's like victory. victory right? Okay, yeah, yeah. But I call it the peace sign, and Antonio Morales gets a kick out of that. Um yeah, Zion and Zachariah would be going to Ohio State. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you but that's good for the sport. That's yeah. good for the sport. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking that's about. That's going to win you $1,000. The... <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about with the fi- with like why it's harder for Ohio State to recruit right now. Like That's like the exact premise right there. 
Yeah, except that, like, oh, man, they're not going to get Zachariah Branch. Who are they going to get now? Oh, Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis? Okay. Are they, gonna, are they like, really, really high on the – did you see – because, like, I see the crystal balls for Ennis, and it's it's Oklahoma. And those might be old. That's old, because he was, uh, no, he was an yeah. Oklahoma commit. Yeah. But I saw a few for uh, USC in there, too, now. Yeah, which makes sense. I think that's the coolest uh, – it's not a fight song. What is what, what do you call the secondary things? That they play during the game, like LSU and Florida have the same exact one. Dun dun dun. No, that's Illinois. Yeah, those ones. But I think that USC's is the best. I don't know what it's called. Battle cry. Sure. I don't know what they're called either, but I, I know what you mean. I don't even know if they do that anymore. Really? They should bring because I think it was like called the Illini chant or something, and it's oh, it's no longer there. That got canceled. It got canceled, yeah. Uh, but you can't cancel a Trojan. Uh, you can, I guess, if you're in college. But, uh, you know. <laughs> what is it? What was that? I, can't, I forgot the tune now. I got I missed the college football video game. You should fire it up. I, I can see it right here. It's on my, on my desk over here. I don't have PS2 anymore, bud. Sorry. It's the only reason I have it is to play that game. Uh, I have PS5, and it hasn't been plugged in for eight months. I finally plugged in my PS4 after like a year and a half of it not being plugged in. I feel bad because I know everybody wants one, and that's just like it's just sitting in my house. You should sell it. Not plugged in. But I want it. Yeah. I want one too. I don't need one, but I want one. I bought Madden when it came out. I played one game of Madden online, and then I haven't played since. I just I plugged in my PS4 and bought Madden the other day because it was like $20 because the football season's over. Um same game as last year and the year before that. They're always the same the game. That. Yep. You know, for somebody who says Star Wars is, the, is, a, is a big racket, and I know that that offends some people, wow. Madden's a pretty big racket, too. Huge racket. Because they don't change anything. They just change the rosters. What they should do is just keep the same game for three years and just, like, charge people five bucks to update the rosters completely every year and then add the new people into it and then, like, that would completely change all the costs that they would have for production of making the new game, make it cheaper for everybody to keep up, and then like every three years release a brand new version of it. Because they don't really change anything in a year, in, from year to year. Also, it reminds me too, the, the, the Dreamcast game that I used to play with Terrell Owens on the cover. NFL 2K. Yeah, that was that NFL 2K? Mm-hmm. Yeah, NFL, uh, first of all, let me tell you. I never had N64 as a kid, but I made the jump from Super Nintendo to Dreamcast, and the jump in graphics from N64 to Sega Dreamcast was the biggest graphics jump in the history of gaming. I did not have like I played NFL 2K, Randy Moss was on the cover that first year, I think it was NFL 2K, which is 2000, and that was the new era of graphics in, in video games, and... Now I feel like the graphics from PS4 to PS5 aren't really that different, if, if, if different at all. And I guess you have to have like a certain type of cable and a TV that can get maximize the, the 4K and all that stuff. But like I had PS4 and I plugged it into the same TV and it's a pretty nice TV with PS5 and it's the same thing. That's a racket. It might be marginally different. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Should we talk about tight ends? Yeah, sure. Well, I want you to talk about offensive line because I have a headache and I'll just like chill. Well, We're 44 minutes into this thing and I we know. haven't even gotten to the t- Well, we can just do, if you want, we can do defense next week too and just keep it riding. Or we can do the whole thing now. It's up to you. You're the host. I'll think about it. Let's do. Let's knock out tight end and offensive line and see where that leaves us. With you and offensive line, we're going to be in an hour and a half before this thing's over with. So that's right. Let's start a new episode for offensive line. Uh, let's do tight end first because I don't think that's not the the most interesting position in the world. Um, they don't have a starter, <laughs> so who's it going to be? Well, wouldn't Cade Stover be the number one player on the emerging list? He's playing linebacker. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe Royer. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Cade Stover and Joy, Joe Royer are the same person in my head, and I'm going to have to work on that. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you where you have guys that are interchangeable on this team in your head for no apparent reason at all, and it's just like you always say their name, and then it's just that's it? Yeah, and I think that most often happens with the, with the tight end position. I'm having that problem on the national show with Manny Diaz and Mario Cristobal. I keep referring to Mario Cristobal as Manny Diaz, and I don't even know I'm doing it. I Our uh, Miami... Hurricanes writer is named Manny Navarro, and every time yeah. I go to say his name, I have to stop myself from saying Manny Diaz. <laughs> so yeah, but can... Joe Royer would be at the top of the list, right? I know that he's young, but like he might be the starter this year. And it's like you want to talk about like breakout positions. Obviously, Mitch Rossi is is my favorite player in the tight end room because yeah. you love a walk on. Uh, I love a good walk on. Uh, you love a walk pass on in a close game. You love yeah. a walk on <laughs> who ends up playing a major role in a national title contender. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I explain it to me. I still don't get it. There were a few times where they threw him the ball in critical situations, and I'm just like, "Why are we doing this?" I cannot explain that. Um, I do think he provides value as a blocking H back, but he's not. He's not uh, built to, in my opinion, built to be like the number one inline tight end in the offense. So um, I'm not really even considering him in that competition. Yeah, it's like Joe Royer, G Scott, um, Sam Hart, and Bennett Christian. There's only one question, really, and I know that Royer was the first name that I brought up, but it's like, is G. Scott going to be Kellen Winslow or not? Like, what are we doing? Like Here, in this offense? No. Maybe. Maybe down the line, but not here. Which, like, they just, they don't use the position that way. What is G. Scott's motivation for being a tight end? And will he achieve that motivation? I think he's playing, the, will he achieve- I think he's playing the long game, which, because it's like, he's, he's like 6'3", six, 6'4", and he's just a big kid. Like I think a part of the thing he said is like it's hard. It's hard for him to like to keep his weight down to where it probably needs to be to be a receiver. Now, like of course there are outliers with everything. Like DK Metcalf's big as shit. Calvin Johnson was big as shit. Um, but I think G Scott did an assessment of sort of like his physiology and, and thought like, well, I'm probably going to be more like two thirty five, two forty, and that's like a pretty big receiver. Maybe I can spin this into being a tight end, and that provides me some some 
um, security long term in terms of what I'm going to play in the league. Um, and I do think for as much as like we talk about Ohio State doesn't throw the ball to the tight end or whatever, it doesn't mean you can't go to the NFL and be a good tight end. Like Jeremy Ruckert's going to go to the NFL and I think be an awesome tight end, even though he wasn't utilized that much here as a, as a receiver. So um, I think that's what it is for him. It's just a matter of when is this the year he like gets on actually gets on the field as a contributing tight end. Who did you say in your in your piece that you wrote the projected depth chart? Who did you write it as the starter if we don't know it yet? I believe I put Joe Royer. Um, and that was like Kevin Wilson at the Rose Bowl was like, man, Joe Royer's coming on. Kate Stover is playing linebacker. There's room for another some person to emerge at tight end. And, and Joe Royer's been catching our attention. And like Joe Royer like didn't play in the Rose Bowl. Um, now they played, they played Rucker. They played Mitch Rossi. So I Who? don't, yeah, your guy. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. People people talk a lot about Joe Royer as like being a guy who's ready to take that next step, but like he's never really played before. So I don't know. It's a pretty big mystery. This position. It's not the most important position in the world, but it is. It is somewhat important. Like you need a guy there who's a reliable blocker. Um, and I'm still, I'm on alert for like Bennett Christian to emerge as a true freshman. He's big. He comes from a block. I told offense. myself when I got really high on Jake Hausman coming out of high school, having an immediate impact, that I would never do it with a tight end again. And I'm not going to. That's Urban's it. fault, man. Urban's like, this kid's ready to rock shit. <laughs> and then, like, Dude, play. I went down there thinking I was like talking to Jeremy Shockey, and like, I was just like, what's. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it doesn't work out for everybody, but I think it's really, really hard to be in a. Because Kevin Wilson has such an emphasis on being an elite level blocker. Like, it's like we think of tight end and we who do we think of? We think of like Jake or uh, Pat Fryermuth, like somebody who's just going to catch passes in the middle of the, the, the all kid from Michigan. You know, like that's yeah. like what I think. Of, but like at Ohio State, that's not what it is. And that's that's fine to me. They're like, I, I happen to enjoy the blocking aspects of playing the tight end position. Um, but it's hard to do. It's just hard. It's hard. Point. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to do from the jump. Yeah. Which is why almost every tight end who's played at Ohio State has taken a couple of years to develop to that point. Um, now this will be Joe Royer's third year. Um, Sam Hart is a second year player. I'd be lying if I told you I knew anything about Sam Hart other than his name. Um, sounds like a country music star. He does sound like, he does sound like a country music star. Um, it's like Britt would be like, Hey, you want to go to Oklahoma and see Sam Hart in concert? Yes, I do. Go to Sam Hart concert. Yeah. You want to know why? Cause those country concerts in Oklahoma are always in casinos. <laughs> yeah, the cherry I'll catch you after the show, babe. I'll be at the back rat. You want to hate those goddamn back rat tables. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's it's like who who's gonna win the job here? And I think I think you can convince yourself that it's gonna be one of three guys. Like Sam Hart, I don't I don't think is gonna be the guy yet. Um, Royer is probably top of the list, and then we'll see. I'm buying some Bennett Christian stock as I, as I said multiple times. Um, okay, you're gonna have to pay taxes on that. That's right. We won't. We'll do defense early next week because. It's offensive line time. Yeah, and also defense is probably going to be a great show. Yeah, there's a lot to get into. There's way too much to get into with the defense. If you want, Bill, we can record the we can record next week's on Monday before you go on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that I think that'll be the plan. Um, okay. So uh, we'll we'll talk defense early next week. We'll finish off offense here by talking about the most important position in the sport. Should I lay down the offensive line? No, I'm well, going to just say this, and then I'll let you go. Well, I don't. I actually don't want to. I don't want to really 
like vamp as much on offensive line. I'm actually kind of curious where you're at with it. Because I don't, I look at it and I don't see an overt weakness. Yeah, I, I think this could be one of the best offensive lines in America this year. <clears throat> I don't disagree. And but last I, year, it didn't go the way it's supposed to go. Paris Johnson left. Is this? And listen, I haven't studied the alignments the way that you have. So tell me if I'm wrong. But here's my understanding of what the offensive line is going to look like. And tell me if I'm wrong here. Mm. We got Paris Johnson Jr. finally moving out to tackle left tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Matthew Jones at left guard. Luke Whippler, one of the best centers in America coming out of high school, is finally going to be the starter and played really good. He was a starter last year. Yeah, yeah. But, like, played really well in his first. He played okay. Right guard, Donovan Jackson, who I would worship at the altar of. Yeah. And then right tackle, which would have been an interesting scenario had Dewan Jones decided to leave, is locked down with a a human that you – looks at you like you're small. He is a large, large man. That's the one Jones. thing that I'm a little bit cons- like upset about is that Harry Miller doesn't seem to have panned out the way we thought he would. Well, I don't know. That that feels a little premature to me, I suppose. Um, and like, would he play guard at any point? Well, that, there's, like, there's multiple things with Harry Miller. I think Harry Miller is actually the most interesting offensive lineman on the team right now. Um, five-star guy. Like, it was a major, major recruiting gift for them. Started as a second-year player, was not frankly all that good, but I think also played like most of that year with like a torn shoulder. It's like how good can you really expect a a true sophomore to be starting for the first time while his shoulder is injured? Um, I still think there's a decent amount of upside there, but then like last year was so weird. He wasn't available at the beginning of the year, and they didn't really ever tell us why. Hopefully, we can get some clarity on that this spring. and then he came back and he got hurt. And he like essentially didn't play last year. I think he played like 26 snaps last year. Started all but one game in 2020 and then played 26 snaps last year. Didn't start once. But I still think the talent is there for him to win a starting job. Is that guard? Is that center? Like who's his chief, chief competition there? I don't know. But I'm, I'm not ready to write him off yet. Um, but I. But where does he get on the field then? Is it still right at center? I don't I don't know where they like him more. He played one game at center and it was a disaster. Um but that was also a, like a very weird week. They were missing three offensive line starters, like half the team had covid, so like I don't I don't know how much I, how much stock I put into that. Um but everything we heard was that he was going to be the starting center last year and then just wasn't available to play. Luke Whippler stepped in, played well enough. Harry was never really in a position to challenge for that and Luke Whippler started the entire season. If Harry Miller is like 100% full bore ready to go, I think it's on the table for him to win a starting center job. Yeah. Or a starting guard job. I don't I – don't. But then what guard – like because Donovan Jackson is a stud and he will start this year. That, I'll bet you $1,000. That's the, okay. That's the one thing that like – I don't know if worries me is, is the right word, but like I would hate for Ohio State to like overthink this in a way where like Donovan Jackson doesn't play. Or like Donovan Jackson is relegated to like the Matt Jones role where he's like a situational rotational guard. I just like I don't I feel like that's a waste of that kid's talent. I don't know that you could mess that up. I think he's that good. Yeah. I would What so like what would be your perfect okay, let's put it this way. Let's just play the, the hypothetical game here. 
Harry Miller is healthy and looks better than he ever has looked at Ohio State and has come into his five-star potential. Mm-hmm. Luke Whipler also has made a big jump from last year and looks pretty good. What do you do with the offensive line if you're the offensive line coach? Is it as simple? Like, is Matthew Jones 100% locked into you? I feel like Matthew Jones was their most consistent lineman last year. I think he's got to play. It was a like, and. And part of that, this is they had guys playing out of position, and he's a true interior lineman, so maybe he just naturally looked better because he was more comfortable, but he was our most consistent guy last year. Should have played more. Um, so, Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson Jr. are both non-negotiable, right? Yeah. Like no, that's, those are locked in, right? Locked in okay. tackle. So, Matthew Jones, if you think he was the most consistent offensive lineman in the interior last year, is probably non-negotiable. So, what that leaves you with is two positions for three players. Yep. Right. Luke Whipler, Harry Miller, and Donovan Jackson. The thing I don't know is I don't think Donovan Jackson's a center. So if he plays, if he plays, it'll be guard. So, but maybe it is as simple as Harry Miller and Luke Whipler are going one on one, and whoever wins the job wins the job. And I, th- I think that could be it. Yeah, I, and uh, there's a new offensive line coach, which I guess complicates it a little bit. Like we don't know if Greg Stu draw Stu Drawwell was still here. I would think that that would be the case because that's what it was last year. It was it was Luke Whipler versus Harry Miller, and like Stud seemed to very much enjoy that competition. Like felt like it was pretty healthy competition. Both guys were getting better um, to the point where Luke Whipler was ready to start when when he was kind of forced into uh, a role nobody expected for him. Justin Fry might have some different thought processes on that. Maybe he sees Harry Miller more as a guard, or or Luke Whipler even more is more of a guard. I have, I have no idea. Um, but my my inclination at the moment is that. Four of these five jobs are, are more or less spoken for, and it's who's going to be the center, Luke Whipler or Harry Miller. I think that that's kind of where I'm at. But we could also show up to interviews on Tuesday, and I could have my mind changed on that, depending on what Ryan Day says or how guys line up, like whatever. Um, but I think there's – I'm also wondering too, like how – kind of like where, where Harry Miller's head is, given the fact that he was he was a sophomore – True sophomore starter, former five-star prospect, kind of like on his way to becoming a multi-year starter and going to the NFL, and I got derailed in a serious way. Like, how's he? how does he come out of that? Um, like, frank, frankly, I thought it was on the table that he might he might transfer, and he hasn't. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think all things being equal, everyone being healthy, Harry Miller's probably a better player. But I don't know if that's going to be the case for Harry. Who's had? He's really smart too. I don't know if you know that. He is really smart. Um, he's had some bad injury luck, and Luke Whipler got a lot, like a, a, a ton of valuable experience. I think he played the most snaps of anyone on the offense last year. He basically, didn't come off the field. Um, Obviously, center is a very important position. Yeah, but the fact that we described it the way that we did, it looks like their offensive line should be and will be pretty good this year. Yeah, like this is the type of offensive line that could be the centerpiece of the best offense of college football. That I agree, but I also. I have felt that way coming into the season probably the last three years, three or four years, and it's not quite gotten to that point. Especially last year. Yeah, which is part of the reason we've spoken about before why I think they need to make a change at offensive line coaches. Like that position has been good. It has not been maximized. If Justin Fry oh. can maximize this group, like that is awesome. 
like really high. Like the, the ceiling there is considerably high. Which backups outside of Harry Miller, who's probably listed as a backup right now because he didn't play last year, yeah. are you most looking forward to? Josh uh, Fryer, Enoch Vamahi, Jacob Janes, and Ben Chrisman. Josh Fryer. Reggie Ledoux. <laughs> Reggie Ledoux, is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trey, Trey LaRue. Uh, Reggie, Reggie Ledoux. That's funny. Uh, Josh Fryer, because he, like, Josh Fryer, like, came out of nowhere to sort of, like, be on the two deep very early. And I, and I think they have a lot of belief in him that he could play if they needed him to. Um, and he can play guard or tackle, so there's value there. Um, I think with with all those backup guys, I'm thinking about like 2023 and who the tackles are going to be. Like Dewan Jones will be in the NFL. Paris Johnson can certainly be a one year starter and turn pro. And if that happens, like, then who are your tackles? Like, is it Josh Fryer? I like Zen Mahowski a lot. Like he was he has the the profile of recruits that that I find the most interesting. Like guys who arrive at offensive line a little later in the process, go through a pretty serious physical transformation, but have a lot of athletic traits and upside. George Fitzpatrick, I think, is very similar, although he won't be ready. I don't think to do much this year. Um, but Zen will have been in the program now for a year and seems to have come along pretty well physically and can move really well. So can he like be a number two tackle this year and then position himself to be a starter in 2023? Those are the kind of guys I'm interested beyond beyond the five. Um I wonder, like Enoch Vimahi, again, versatile, valuable guy, but he's waited a long time to get on the field, and I don't think that's going to happen for him this year. So, like, how does he process that? Um, but yeah, I think they have, I think they have probably seven guys you can feel pretty good about going into spring, seven or eight, and that's a nice spot to be in. Yeah, the thing that jumps out to me more than anything is I look at the depth chart and I look at the guys in that room and I don't say, oh my God, they have to figure out how to fill this hole. They do not. Which have, I think is yeah. huge on the offensive line and, 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 and frankly a position that Ohio State's been in in the past. Yeah, I, I think maybe you, you worry a little bit about a drop off of tackle if something were to happen to either Dewan Jones or Paris Johnson. But I also think that Donovan Jackson could play tackle if you needed him to. He could play outside linebacker if he needed him to. Listen, he's the he's, the, he's my favorite player on the team. He's I don't know if you noticed that, and for for it to be an offensive lineman for me, yeah, that guy will grind your bones into dust and use it as baking powder. He's Orlando Pace. Can I just say it like he's Orlando Pace? No, you can't say it. No, we're not doing it. No. It's against that's against the rules of four to six of the NBA. We don't compare a lineman to Orlando Pace. Yeah, why? Oh, that was the joke. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's a good, good laugh. It's not the same position. Yeah, <laughs> it's a full world. yeah, and too late. He's not Orlando Pace. Can you like play tackle first before we could cut the anoint him Orlando Pace? Nobody has ever been Orlando <laughs> Pace ever. Yeah. Like, what other player at any at any other college has been Orlando Pace? Uh, I'm trying to think like the best tackles. The best tackles. Robert Gallery was supposed to be, but he decidedly was not. Well, what about just at the college level? Has anybody ever been Orlando Pace in college? Quentin Nelson was pretty awesome. He was a guard, but... Evan Neal? No. 
we're talking you about see that like, box jump talking about offensive linemen who are in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Did you see the box jump though? No, did Evan Neal do a crazy box jump? I love I think that it's like song. a year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where he did it with, like, both legs out. Like, he caught himself yeah. with one leg on the front box and the back leg on the back box. Just six foot seven, three hundred and thirty. How many people. lifetimes would it take for you to be able to do that? I don't know. More, more than the one I got right now, I know that much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll never happen for me. I find, I find box jumps uh, terrifying. My ankles would snap. And my knees. I wouldn't be able to walk. You're good, bud. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, we'll wrap up there. Um, we'll do defense. We, we should have known that we shouldn't have been arrogant enough to try to fit both sides of the ball in the same episode. We didn't even talk about food once this entire podcast. So hopefully that guy who left that shitty review can go back and I'm, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, I'm kind of salty about it because we try really hard. You seem salty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and honestly, 99% of you give great reviews and we appreciate it, but I just don't like, like if you want to leave a bad review because of something that we did then, you know, that's fine. But, like, if you want to leave a bad review and, like, just say, I don't like that person, just don't listen to it. Then. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? It's just, like, what what are you going to, like, what, what do you gain from that if you don't like me? I don't know. Like, a ha-ha, I told you so. You're a bitch. Like, what? <laughs> okay, you win, bud. Just shut it off. I listen, I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm listening to one right now about a mysterious killing in northern illinois it's an interesting podcast if i didn't like it i would just not listen to it no yeah. one's forcing you the, you can uh, get out of this <laughs> i do i do i do appreciate um constructive criticism though because we are yeah we sure. want to make the show the best as we can make it so i don't want to say that we're we're not perfect that. no i know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just, if, if you don't like me then i'm not going to change so like, <laughs> deal, what are you going to do deal with it I am, yeah, I like, what, I what am I going to do? Like, look at myself in the mirror and go, well, this reviewer thinks I have a learning disability. I'm really going to work on that. Time to hit the books. Okay, dude. Yeah. You win. You won. Yeah. Anyway, Asshole. leave a five-star okay. Leave a five yeah. star review. Right. Tell tell Ari um, how much you enjoy his podcast stylings. <laughs> I, I also, like, did pretty good in school. Yeah, he was a good student. I was a no, solid student. Solid student. Didn't C's. study all that much. I got a 3.1 or something. C's earned degrees, baby. Yeah, nobody has ever asked me what my GPA has been, so... Yeah. If you are an undergraduate student and you don't plan to go to grad school, is GPA the most overblown and irrelevant thing in the history of mankind? Probably. Like, what's the difference between a person that graduated from the University of Arizona that got a 2.0 with a journalism degree and the person who got a 3.2? There's literally no difference. There's no, there's no distinguishable difference between those two things. And it's so funny because, like, I remember how much I used to stress in college about getting good grades. Yeah, I got over that real quick. Like good grades are stupid. <laughs> Unless you want to go to grad school and become a lawyer or a doctor, if no one's ever going to be evaluating your performance for any further entrance into something else, then just get by. You're fine. That's right. Nothing wrong with a, with a nice solid C. Yeah. I used to be afraid of C's. Why? I love C's. C's are great. Can you graduate from college if you got a D in every class the entire four years? I don't think so. Or do you have to? I thought D's pa- D's don't pass, right? No, C's pass. Yeah, there's a there's a minimum GPA threshold to graduate, and that D D's don't get you there. But do you get credit for the class if you get a D? Uh, I never got a D in college. I never got a D. I got a couple of F's. 
You did? Yeah, because I just stopped going to class. And you, like, you were like, I'm not doing this, and then you just knew going into it that you were going to get an F? Yeah, because we, we have like uh, late drop credits where if you decide you don't want to be in a class, you can drop it like mid-semester and not get penalized for it, but you, those are fi- finite. You run out. Um, and I ran out of those pretty quickly. <laughs> and there were a couple classes toward the end of my college tenure. I was like, oh, I'm not, this isn't for me. It wasn't. But you were a big newspaper guy in college, right? Like the student newspaper, were you really heavily involved? Yes. So all your journalism classes. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if it worked like this for you, but my journalism classes, like you'd be like intro to feature writing. Mm-hmm. And like, if I wrote a feature on somebody on the football team that ran in the daily wildcat which was our student newspaper my professor would accept that as my assignment oh i couldn't do that so like that really helped me out a lot and also at u of a you don't have to take a math course if you're a journalism major i never took a math course in college i took a math course uh that was it was the lowest numbered math course it was like math 14 i was like oh this it's the lowest numbered one it must be easy um, and it was like probability, I think. And I was awful at it. Like I had the, it's the hardest I've ever worked to get a C in my life because we had to have a certain amount of, uh, general or what is it? Elective but math courses are by and large the weed out classes, right? Math and science. Oh yeah. I'm terrible at math and science. I'll be honest with you. So I'm, I'm a journalism major. I don't know like what an adverb is. That's something good that a writer should admit. I'm admitting this right now. I don't think I could pass a high school English test. I think I could pass a high school English test. Like, I don't know. Like, an adjective is this, the, this word that describes something, right? And the noun is the subject, but I don't know what an adverb is. A word or phrase that modifies or qualifies an adjective, verb, or other adverb, or a word group expressing of a relation of a place, time, circumstance, matter, cause, degree, etc. Please tell me you looked that up. I did look it up. I still don't know what that means. Can we end the podcast, please? <laughs> Why are we yeah. talking about this? Bill, you and I used to see each other every single day. <laughs> I don't see you every day anymore. I just want to catch up. We're talking about adverbs. <laughs> it's fine. There's like six people listening anyway. The six of you who are also still the, listening. Five I stars. think everybody's listening. And by the way, everybody loved that alien talk that you wanted to wrap up. Except for the person who gave us a one-star review and said, you guys shouldn't talk about that stuff. You sound like morons. But yeah, whatever. Thanks for the review. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's it's constructive feedback. Can I end the podcast now? Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll be back. We'll be back soon in a couple of days to talk about the defense and whatever whatever other uh, parts of speech you'd like to get into on that episode. Thank you for listening to Four to Six with A and B. Uh, again, leave us a five-star review on Apple. We greatly appreciate it. Subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Uh, if you want to read more about spring ball, I had a story preview in the offense that ran on uh, Tuesday of this week. I'll have one on the defense that runs on Thursday this week. You can sign up the theathletic.com slash 4-6. Read those stories. I believe they're still a special that's like a dollar a month or something crazy. I don't know. You can get The Athletic for a discount if you go to theathletic.com slash 4-6. We'll be back early next week to talk Ohio State's defense with spring ball less than a week away. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 